Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris to Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. In the mid-90s, Natalie and Brulia left the soap opera Neighbors to pursue a music career. She immediately became a success in her home country of Australia, but here in the United States, it was her cover of the obscure Edna Swap song, Torn, that caught fire. For decades now, Americans of all musical tastes have embraced this pop gem, but did we miss out on even more great Natalie and Brulia jams? We're joined by Bobby Vaughn to decide for ourselves. I got a couple questions for you to start this off. First of all, were you a fan of Natalie Imbruglia's work on the Australian soap opera Neighbors? <laughs> That's actually something that I found out after typing in Natalie Imbruglia. So, no. <laughs> were you a big fan of the band Edna Swap, who <laughs> originally wrote the song? I can't say yes to that. <laughs> okay. So you're coming in just like me. Your first Natalie Imbruglia experience was the song torn and that is also your first experience with the song in general and with her in general correct and that was also my first cd i ever bought really that's why this is so special to me (laughs) wow man your first cd you ever bought it's it's a pretty good one i was listening to some other songs so that's a pretty solid first cd i was in elementary school my brother was the one that was in punk he was my older brother punk rock ska and i was jealous i I wanted to have something to call my own but all i knew was uh turning on the tv in the morning before elementary school and there's this 
beautiful girl uh, singing that I thought was an American girl until I actually typed that in recently to find out that she's Australian. Yeah. I went to our local Walmart with my mom and I recognized the name Natalie Imbruglia. I'm like, Mom, I'm ready. I'm ready for my first CD. <laughs> I'm ready for my first Natalie Imbruglia CD. Absolutely. Was it your first and only Natalie Imbruglia CD or did you follow her career after that? I am surprised in myself to know a few songs off the album. So the answer is, yeah, that was my only Natalie Imbruglia okay. experience. Yeah, yeah, I kind of guessed that that, that might have been the case. <laughs> but you were one of the 7 million people worldwide who bought that album when it came out, which was a higher-selling debut album than Alanis Morissette, than Fiona Apple, than Meredith Brooks combined. Um, you know, named other like solo female artists of the 90s who had notable mm-hmm. debut albums. Insane. She had kind of the same trajectory as an episode we did before of Rick Springfield, where she started on a soap opera and then launched her music career. And she kind of went back and forth between there. What was it about this song, man? What, what got you hooked? I have to admit, it ha- it was the music video. It was yeah. rewatching it recently, the, the coloring and just that gold dragon on her shirt. There's so many things that just feel so comfortable about the music video. And of course, the song itself, there's nothing but pleasant feelings with every chord and note combined. Yeah, this is one of those songs that's really been drilled into my skull since it came out Mm. like still today this song gets played constantly uh, everywhere and yet i still kind of like it Mm -hmm. you know no matter how many times you you're right it's it's comfortable it's probably about as comfortable as our pants in this video (laughs) she looks to be wearing very very comfortable pants and hoodie in this video i changed right before we got (laughs) right before i sat down i just put my sweatpants on (laughs) Yeah, nice. I mean, I don't know that she was wearing sweatpants in the video. There was, there was some sort of. Oh, I thought um, you were talking about me. Oh no, no, no! I'm saying her pants in the music video. She looks comfortable. I don't understand the music video. Do you understand the music video? For I did. This song I did. Well? I did some research just to freshen up my Natalie Imbruglia facts. The music video. I watched an interview. She explained that it was all. It's very basic. They're actors. I guess they're supposed to be like the producers and director, just tearing down the set. I guess it's supposed to be representing the relationship that's also falling apart. And she said in the video that they made the video so fast, she wasn't expecting it to be as quick as it did. She thought it wasn't going to be good. She thought she wasn't that good of an actress. And she was just very surprised and pleased with how fast it finished. I guess it's also fitting that it seemed to be, yeah, the set of some sort of show or movie, considering she was on a show and... Bobby, I don't know if you know know this, but at some point that year that this song came out in the late 90s, she dated David Schwimmer from Friends. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. What's surprising about that is how I was expecting if she was dating him to see her in more roles and more TV shows and movies. And, and I feel like what I was coming across her acting roles, it was just didn't fit that fact that they were together I, f- I felt like there should have been more yeah i know it must have been very very short-lived yeah and as far as her roles i mean this is skipping ahead a little bit but i saw that she was in the movie johnny english about five years later yeah. which was a james bond parody starring rowan atkinson aka mr bean mm-hmm. no but that's another thing that i was surprised to see the facts pop up 
and I had to watch a few clips, and oh man, Mr. Bean is always at ten. He's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hilarious. Uh, that's <laughs> that's the word I would I would give Road Atkinson. He's he's perfect. Anyway, yeah, she left the show that she was on to pursue music, and I don't know if Rick Spring. I, I'm assuming Rick Springfield left whatever soap opera he was on. I know Donald Glover left Community to pursue music. And I don't know, man, if you were on a successful TV show, would you leave the show to pursue music? I I know somebody that I have worked for as a roadie that is an actor. uh, That's true. And that's after looking all this up about Natalie Imbruglia, I'm like, oh, my God, I know someone that did this. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that for a second. Well, first of all, we're talking about Shaky Graves, right? Right. What's his real name? Uh, Alejandro Rose Garcia. Yeah, and I knew him for a very small role on Friday Night Lights. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Was he in other things, too, I'm assuming? Spy Kids. Yeah, he has a small role in Spy Kids. Not one. I think two. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But, yeah, he's, he's got a few acting roles out there. So, yeah, did you ever talk to him about leaving acting to pursue music? I feel like I don't know if he considers himself... To have left, I feel like that's still something he would be interested in. Ah. But I do think about that all the time. Like, would he have had so much success as a musician without the roles that he had? But maybe the roles that he had also kind of gave him this, like, vibe of just confidence and know how to turn it on. So it's, like, not even just the music, but it's just that thing that you get from acting, that that skill. Natalie Imbruglia as well, I'm wondering if maybe she had... Because I watch her, she's so confident on stage. The things, in a way, go hand in hand. There's a lot of actors that come from theater in which you have to sing so those things go hand in hand man you know i'm trying (laughs) i'm not trying to leave music but but i'm trying to leave music and go to tv man yeah (laughs) i'm trying trying to do vice versa you want to join me we can absolutely that's something i've always i think i have in my like kindergarten uh wish list of being an actor slash rock musician this is something that i've also wished i had that opportunity similar to basketball players and rappers isn't it Similar to that yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like guys who play rock music and sitcoms or something, or I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like I could do it. You know, like maybe that's cocky of me, and maybe some maybe David Schwimmer would say, "Yeah, sure, man." But <laughs> I feel like I could do it. You know, I don't know. I've been watching you. I've been watching your videos <laughs> for so many years, and if there was any uh, rock musician, I would definitely put my money on you. As do you it. believe in me? I That's do. so nice of you to believe in me, Bobby. Maybe we could start a show together. Oh, Someday. my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be a decent show. Back to Natalie Imbruglia. Natalie Imbruglia. That's how you pronounce it. You don't pronounce the G. The G is silent. Natalie Imbruglia. She's Australian. She is extremely attractive. Not going to be a pig about it, but it's just kind of true. Like, even that, that first music video, that's a very notable thing, which I think they really... They played that up. I mean, they're really focused on her very blue eyes and, you know, sultry looks into the camera and things like that. Mm-hmm. If you're good looking, it, it doesn't hurt. But the song is great. And she's an amazing singer. I'm not taking anything away. Right. Just saying that got people to notice. And maybe that got a young Bobby Vaughn to notice, too. It did. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not going to pretend 
that that isn't a thing. I've been listening to Natalie all day today mm-hmm. to try to get into the uh, thing. I did know another song by her, Wrong Impression. Hmm. Do you know this song? No. Is that off the same first album? No. It's a later song, okay. and I know that I've heard it, and it may be a minor hit enough that I've heard it like in the world somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's the one that goes... I don't want to leave you with the wrong impression. You you don't know that song? Mm. <laughs> I didn't do I didn't really do it justice there, but I love you. Didn't want to leave you with the wrong impression. Didn't want to leave you with my last confession. It feels familiar. I want to say yes, but I can't. I can't put a finger on it. Yeah, check it out. It's good. As soon as I heard it, it was the second song that I heard when I was diving in. And I'm like, oh, this is good. Uh And I instantly added it to my playlist that I've had going. I have a playlist that just every time I hear a song I like, I just add it to it. Mm -hmm. And it has hundreds of songs on it. You know, anytime (laughs) I just happen to hear a song I like, I add it to it. And Natalie got a track on it today. That's amazing. Once again, as we've said a lot on this podcast, we're talking about U.S. only one-hit wonders. We got to have that stipulation. People might be listening in the U.K. or Australia and be like, Natalie Imperley is not a one-hit wonder. What are you talking about? Well, in the United States, she kind of is, but not in the U.K. or Australia. She's had a bunch of hits other places, but here it's just pretty much been torn. Mm-hmm. It's definitely stuck around. It's definitely got uh, <laughs> staying power. 1998, man. I was graduating high school in 1998. That's kind of my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she won the MTV Award for Best New Artist, so it was kind of her time, too. Yeah. I feel like we have that in common. Mm. <laughs> not that not winning Best New Artist, but just <laughs> having a lot going on in 1998. She was up for a Grammy in 1998 for Best Female Pop Vocal, but she lost to My Heart Will Go On which the cards were stacked against her. She was going up against anything from, from Titanic. I kind of feel bad because you don't hear my heart will go on a lot <laughs> on the radio all the time. You might see it uh, used in a meme or something. I must, uh, but I need to say that that was also an album that I purchased was the Titanic album. And so between Natalie wow. Imbruglia and Celine Dion, it's, it makes sense that they were both on the, the top of the charts. Did you know the song Big Mistake? It was her second single after tour? No, and that surprised me because I know other songs off the first album, and I don't remember that one. It wasn't a hit in the United States, so it makes Mm-mm. sense you didn't know. I thought maybe you listened to the CD. I think you just listened to Torn on, re- yeah, <laughs> on repeat, th- maybe. There's one other song on the, uh, the album, and I actually, over the years thought it was Hanson. I somehow, because I listened to Hanson back then too, and it's called Wishing I Was There. And so I have friends that love Hanson, and occasionally I'd be like, there's one song I love called Wishing I Was There, and they give me the weirdest look. And <laughs> and, and researching Natalie and Brulee, I was like, just realized the other day, I'm like, oh my God. So I love another ch- song by her. Well, that's good. Now you don't have to like Hanson, and your Hanson friends tell them to not listen to our Hanson episode because they're not going to like it. Will do. Anyway, the other song from Natalie's debut album, this song, Big Mistake, it charted in the UK, not in the United States, or not very high in the United States anyway. Mm. But I got to say, I listened to this song, and it is very Alanis Morissette. Mm. Like, when you listen to it, it's like, damn, she's really going for Alanis here. But- it was cool. The next year, she recorded a duet cover of Never Tear Us Apart by NXS with Tom Jones for a Tom huh. Jones album, which uh, I listened to. And it was I'm like, oh, this is good. And then Tom Jones started singing. I'm like, oh, this is not <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> I think she's good I, as a guy who's 
a fan of pop music and you know not that the gender of the artist matters but i tend to gravitate towards female pop singers i just something about it everybody from carly ray jepsen to halsey you know in, in modern times but uh, michelle branch in the 90s absolutely loved it you know vanessa carlton and i feel like nally and brulia fits right right in there it's mm. just Good songs, cool voice, makes you feel good. Could it be that women, they've always had the Me Too movement, all of these things, they just want to be treated equally. Could that have something to do with their passion and the amount of of skills they could develop compared to... Maybe could that be a theory of why we just somehow because I'm I feel the same as you. You know, there's plenty of men album, men artists that I'm like... Yeah, these are my favorite artists. I could relate to them, but there's just so many more females that I'm just, my jaw drops when I hear them sing and just their their skills. I mean, I think there's definitely something to be said for what you're saying is that women probably do have to work harder. I'm sure that guys get a little bit of a pass in certain ways or don't have to deal with the same things. I mean, just watch the Britney Spears documentary. Mm-hmm. You'll see some things that women have to deal with that men don't. I mean, even in pop music. But I don't think that's why I gravitate <laughs> towards it. I think it's just more the sonic quality of mm-hmm. these voices. I mean, it could just be coincidence, right? you know? Or it could be something like, this is really out there, but it could be something like the sound of women's voices are instinctually more pleasing to my ears mm-hmm. because I don't know what I'm getting at here. I, I felt like I had some sort of thought or explanation as to why. I think it could just be coincidence. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's tons of like male singers that I like too. But but when it comes to pop music, yeah, it it, it is overwhelmingly women that I end up listening to. I feel like in rock music, it might lean more men, but I, I think that's a little unfair to say because... Geez, man, think about it. We're two guys that have played in bands and played music for all these years. Think about how rare it is that you've toured with a band that even has a female member, let alone an entire band of females. And I don't know why there's that difference there. Yeah. You know, and and maybe that gap gets a lot closer when it comes to like other styles of music maybe if you got into country or you're talking about pop then you're gonna see more closer to a 50 50 thing Mm. but in but rock music is dominated by men and i know that you know when it comes to podcasting and getting you know guests for podcasts that that i'm on or work on and it's like okay well who do we know because we've developed relationships through touring and things like that and it's always just like it's just all dudes yeah (laughs) it's just that that's what it what it was, those are the people that I know, and it makes me feel bad. It's like, I, I want to have more women on, on these and things. It's just that I haven't got to know as many women, right. you know, and those that I have, I'm reaching out to them, of course, but like you, you and I are in the same boat when it comes to the pop music. Yeah. I, I just think that women dominate it. Absolutely. <laughs> in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I have to preface this because this is one of those things that men might tend to talk about when it comes to women, but then not so much when it comes to men. But I'll preface this by saying that regardless if this was a man or a woman, I would talk about something like this. Mm -hmm. But another thing I wanted to bring up is Natalie Amberley. I was married for five years to the singer of the band Silverchair. Yes. Insane. Which is interesting how people, you know, they're two Australian rock stars and they got together. It's crazy how 
famous people end up with other famous people. Absolutely. When I learned that, I I wanted to figure out. I didn't quite get to it. I wanted to figure out what years they were married and what if which album possibly she had closest to being with him. I thought I saw something about him helping songwrite, but that is just something that sounds insane. The idea of listening to Silverchair and then wondering, how does Natalie and Brulia get inspired by that? I mean, I think it was 2003 to 2008 that they were married. So I don't know. I, I don't go deep enough on Silverchair to really know. <laughs> I knew, I only know their one song from the 90s that was like a hit. Something right. Like tomorrow. I, oh, here comes Matt. Here comes Matt with the facts. Silver chair expert here. Uh, so it was actually towards the very end of their career. The only album that would have gotten written during their marriage was Young Modern, which is at this time the last album Silver Chair has released. Came out in March of 2007. Something that I'm looking at right now that's blowing my mind. Did you know that Every single Silverchair album is a number one record in Australia and has gone at a minimum three times platinum. I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, Australia is its own place. And we, as we know, Matt, from other episodes and a lot of things that we've talked about, about Australia, Australia gets psyched about their bands and their artists, man. I wouldn't be, if you told me Friends of Rom had a number one album in Australia, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I doubt they do. But if you told me that, it wouldn't, I, I'd, I'd probably believe it because uh, I think that's cool that the entire continent of Australia gets psyched about their artists. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hey, Chris. Sorry to interrupt, but I was thinking of something that I'm torn about. What are you torn about, Matt? Pubic hair. In fact, I'm all out of faith that my regular razor is what I should be using. Pubic hair is not the answer I thought you were going to say to that question. But, Matt, your regular razor is not at all what you should be using. Our sponsor this week is Manscaped, who have made men's grooming an easy and simple process. They should be able to help you out. Manscaped? Do they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels? They do. In fact, Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. I have one. It's great. So you can join over 2 million men, I'm one of them, worldwide, who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CRAZYTOWN at manscaped.com. 
Well, I'll butterfly over there right now. But what was that discount code again? It's Crazy Town. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Crazy Town at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code Crazy Town. That'll let them know that we sent you there. Man, you got to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Awesome. Now I'll look fantastic while I'm lying naked on the floor. Absolutely, man. I saw in an interview that when asked about her inspiration, she mentioned Radiohead. And after listening to that interview, I was skimming through her discography and Counting Down the Days has not one, but multiple tracks that I could almost hear a little bit of the melody from Freak. You might be calling me crazy right now, but if you skim through that album, there's Natalie Brulia has such a rock mentality. She, you could hear it in a lot of her songs, too. It's it's just pretty pretty cool to hear some of these melodies coming out of her that you would not expect. Someone that sang the song Torn back in 1997. You might be on to something, man, because when she recorded her third album, the record label refused to put it out because it was too rock and not radio-friendly enough. Interesting. So I think, I think you're on to something, man. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Talked about this so much like ad nauseum at this point but (laughs) i'd like to get your opinion on this a little bit well first of all it's crazy that edna swap band who wrote this had no idea who they are (laughs) i doubt really anybody knows who they are but they got to be psyched you know for the publishing on this song and and how huge it got i'm sure they made plenty of money on that but once again the, the question comes out would you take having a hit song if it was a cover song that's such a that uh, absolutely well, first of all absolutely yeah. but but then the rest yeah. of my life i feel like i would think about it a lot right well <laughs> i think that you and i would take it thinking like oh well we'll then our next hit will be right a song that i wrote absolutely. or my next my next 30 hits exactly. will be songs that i wrote and that was just like a stepping stone but it doesn't always work that way you know you could just have that one cover a song hit and that could be it mm-hmm. with that fact natalie and brulia went interviews uh said that okay my second album i'm gonna co-write every song and that's what she did every song right. on that next album is co-written and every song is i, I don't want to say it but it was i it's it's hard to listen to it's just hard to to, oh. to find those comfortable songs that kind of pull you in and and each track so far that i've i've skimmed through felt like it was I don't know. It, you could you could just tell when an artist spends so much time in their life trying to to get to the point where people want large amounts of people want to listen to them and it almost you could tell that every album after that is just kind of everything they've done so far and then the next thing. But with Natalie and Brulia, it feels like it was almost like her first album being the second album in a way. That was my personal take from all of the information, her interview, and then just taking a step back and listening to the discography again. I'm sure it could drive you absolutely crazy to have a hit and then not have as much success on the second single. And then you release another album that doesn't do as well. And now you're in that like, okay, I had this hit two albums ago. I still want to make music, but to feel like you're always chasing that hit Mm. that could probably drive a lot of people completely insane yeah and especially the fact that she's if you look at her wikipedia it says natalie and brulia uh it says model slash 
actress slash musician, if that was me, I'd be like, okay, I guess let's go to my acting career. Let's go to my modeling career. Having so many things that I think that helped her get to where she was to be where she was when Torn came out. And I think maybe that's why it was so easy for her to have those albums that were just mediocre. It, she she just had more hopes. To me, that's what I would do. And say I would say, okay, well, I I could check that off. Maybe I'll maybe I'll put some years into my acting, and that's exactly what she did. She we see her now in in the movies that she was in. Right. I mean, she's a case study in doing it all. Like, yeah, she had a successful music career, a successful acting career a successful modeling career, if she wasn't inspired by the one thing or wasn't feeling the one thing or was feeling defeated, she could just do the other thing. Right. And then go back to the thing from before. So yeah, if she took a break from music to do some acting and be in a movie with Mr. Bean, then (laughs) she could do that. And then she could go make music again. And I actually think that's pretty inspiring. It's inspiring. To be her is amazing. The question is... For the fans of her music, how does that make them feel <laughs> to be like, wait, we wanted you to be our, you know, our guiding light for the music we listen to. And, you know, but are you really a musician? That's that's how it makes me feel to think as if I'm trying to think about her as a, a fan of her music. Maybe you're right, man. I don't know. Those Imbrulia heads out there, they might have been mad. As a roadie for a person that has done this, I've lived and gotten to to breathe in the same air as this person, Shaky Graves, and being next to him, it's literally, he is just doing the things he loves to do and that he's good at doing. And I can't hate that. I can't hate that, like, tomorrow, maybe we'll see him in a movie. And, you know, it's like, well, what about the music, bro? It's, I, I don't have those feelings at all. I, he's so talented at music, and I think Natalie Imbruglia is insanely talented as a, a singer. So maybe because I've had this this point of view where I, I just respect everything they're doing, but I, I just wonder as a fan, though, if somebody is, you know, like, what are you doing? Come back to music. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. If you're a fan of somebody, you're probably supporting them no, no matter what True. they're doing. Like, if you were a big Imbruglia head in 2003 and you saw she was in the Mr. Bean movie, you're probably like, hell yeah, Natalie. I'm going to go see your movie right. now. And I look forward to more music. I mean, she's had five or six albums, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess over since 1998, that's not that many. That's five albums in 23 years. So yeah, that's not a lot of output, but she's a busy person. You know, I saw that her most recent album was in 2014 when she put out an album called Mail, which was all cover songs of male musicians. Really? And yeah, did you listen to that? No, I didn't get to it. That's I was so like invested in like catching up on making sure I knew everything about that first album. She did songs by Death Cab, The Cure, uh, Modern English. She did Daft Punk, Iron and Wine, Tom Petty. She did a lot of good ones, man. And how did she interpret them? How did it come out? So the one she did a music video for was the Daft Punk song. And she did a really cool version of it, like added it to my playlist. It was really good. And she looks better than ever, you know, like, and I don't mean that in a creepy way. I just mean that, you know, it's been 23 years from Torn. She was known for looking good. You wouldn't know that she aged at all. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the fact that her band is always solid and always amazing? Do you wonder how close she is to these members? Are they the same members? Does that bother you in any way? Does it bother me? I don't know. I think 
I just enjoy listening to it. But then you realize every single album is a major record label release and everything is so well recorded. Does it bother me? Mm. I don't know. I, I love listening to it. But is it? it's almost like a Josie and the Pussycat scenario. Do we hate that? Do we love it? Someone that just has it built in for her that for them. I have never once thought about her band. <laughs> That's not I just assume it's studio musicians. Right. I assume it's hired guns that come in and play. That does not bother me one bit. You know, the song is what's important, the performance is what's important when it comes to pop music especially. Right. You know, if you're talking about a road-worn ragtag band that uh you know, started at the bottom and and played all the clubs and you know, you have a certain i don't know affinity for that but when it comes to pop music it's just a whole different world and it comes down to me for a amazing song and an amazing voice singing that song and sometimes that's two different things Mm. sometimes the voice and the, the performer is one thing and the person who wrote it is another and it's the magic of those two things coming together Ah. that makes us feel something that's it that's it right there but i Gotta say that for me to be, I can like a song, just listen to it. Doesn't matter who it is, who wrote it, who's performing it. I can like a song, but for me to really love an artist, they have to have at least been involved in the writing of the song. That's important to me that someone's not just a voice only. And I that that's that's kind of a weird thing to say, I guess, because being a crazy awesome vocalist is a amazing thing but i'm just saying that like a crazy amazing vocalist i can be like damn they sound great but am i going to be a huge fan of them probably not whereas if someone is like a pretty good vocalist but they're an amazing songwriter i'll probably be a fan of that person for life yeah maybe that's a little unfair or that could be a little bit of a jaded attitude from being a person that plays music i i don't know i don't know where that no, comes that, from and i don't that's know that's definitely more inspiring you know someone that helped build the bakery and then came out with some amazing pastries that everybody wants you know you want you want to know that guy compared to someone that just sells that just like george foreman you know like someone that just is like here's someone else's pastries i'm just selling i think what right there's so much more respect for for that but with that being said like you said if someone's extremely talented at singing and that's all they do it's that's good too right and i mean it, it doesn't just have to be singing it could be singing playing an instrument whatever but some people are just stronger at the writing part of it and some people are stronger at the performing right. part of it and sometimes it takes a team of people and i got nothing against that i mad respect to natalie and brulia for insisting that she at least co-write all the songs on her second album uh, because she probably easily could have just had hired the best and most beloved songwriters out there to write her an album full of pop hits. Absolutely. Can I relate to that personally and plug something that's coming out? Yeah, man. So uh, I have a new EP coming out, but on the vinyl version that you could pre-order now, Mike Hollins, who's the owner of TDR Records, is releasing it, and he wanted me to put the song on there that I did not write. I did not record the music. 
but it's only my vocals. And Mike Holland says that's his most favorite song by me. And you didn't write it? it what you? It's a song you just sang? Yeah, it came from the singer of your band, Steve. He said, I have this extra song if you want to use it for like a demo or like a B-side or something. And nice. I ended up putting vocals on top of it. And I am now Natalie Imbruglia for Mike Collins. Nice. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with no, that, man. I'm, I love it. I mean, not at all. That's So you and Natalie got a little something in common. Yeah, if I ever meet her, I'll let her know. I love that Steve is your Edna swap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking shit on people that are just great performers or anything like that. But anyway... Natalie and Berlia, as far as the legacy of Torn. Now, we all know that we still hear this song everywhere. Everybody seems to love it. I don't know anyone that's like, oh, fuck Torn. <laughs> like, everybody, everybody at least seems to kind of like this song, which is an impressive thing. Like, I can't think of anyone that, like, hates Torn by mm-hmm. Natalie and Berlia. Like, everybody seems to like it. It is the most played radio single of the 90s in the UK. <sighs> That's huge. That's all of the 90s. That's an entire decade of Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Alanis Morissette and every other song of the 90s. Make me want to cry. <laughs> it's, it's so big. And it holds the record for the most played song on Australian radio being played over 300,000 times since its 1997 release, which is approximately 75 times a day <laughs> in Australia on the radio, which... Man, the money just keeps rolling in for somebody. I'm assuming that maybe Natalie's getting a few pennies every time it's played, but I'm sure that there's some record labels and stuff getting even more. I don't know what her deal was. (laughs) The other thing that we didn't talk about, which probably probably should have talked about like right off the bat is like, what is this song about? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I saw an interview. It was an awkward conversation. They were like, so Natalie, we know you didn't write this song, but what does the song mean to you? And it just felt uncomfortable. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is that is strange. <laughs> when I look at, I guess I never really looked at these words. Dude, we did an episode on uh, Dishwalla. I heard it at the grocery store today when I was in there. And I didn't like the song, really before we did the episode but by the end of the episode i'm like oh i kind of like this song now because we went through the lyrics and i thought they were like kind of clever but when i look at the lyrics of this i thought i saw a man brought to life he was warm he came around like he was dignified he showed me what it was to cry well you couldn't be that man that i adored you don't seem to know or seem to care what your heart is for i don't know him anymore there's nothing where he used to lie our conversation has run dry that's what's going on. Nothing's fine. I'm torn. And I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. I'm cold and I am shamed, lying naked on the floor. Illusion never changed into something real. I'm wide awake and I can see the perfect sky is torn. You're a little late. I'm already torn. I guess it's just a breakup song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. I looked it up. I actually, oh. I do know. <laughs> you know okay oh, no i don't know that I, I can't remember the fine details but so the band edna swap there was a guy that was in that band but before that band i think that song was actually written between him and a another couple the couple that he wrote it with the guy from the couple had a dad that was in a hospital maybe it was like a psychiatric hospital and there was just all these emotions that the guy from the couple experienced so this song is almost a cover of a cover of a cover wow being natalie and Brulia, 
I'd feel like I just got a song that was just kind of bounced around. And at that point, I think I would be like, I'm just here having a good time singing this song. <laughs> I don't know. You know. Well, she definitely killed it. Oh she gave God. it the best performance. I mean, when you listen to the Edna Swap version, it's fine. But this this version of it is the version. I'm impressed that someone heard the Edna Swap song and heard a pop gem right. there. Not that it's bad, but I don't think I'd have heard this. No. Whoever produced, put this song together, you know, matched Natalie and Berlia with this song. I don't know. I'm just assuming that, I mean, maybe it was Natalie herself who heard this song mm. and loved it and wanted to do it. <laughs> but... I guess the uh, cynic in me is assuming that someone at a record label or a producer was like, hey, I got this song. Are you telling me that this song might not be a relationship song, but it might be? Oh, no, it definitely sounds like a relationship. But I think it was a person that went through a lot that was actually saying torn as in they are mentally torn. (laughs) I don't know. It just after reading that, it felt like, oh, I thought it was more of like I just broke up with someone and I can't make it but after reading the details i think it was on wikipedia so i hope it's true to be stating it on the show if you're telling me that this is about that this could possibly be about someone's father being in some sort of hospital i I really wish i could pull that up right now because now these lyrics i thought i saw a man brought to life he was warm he came around like he was dignified he showed me what it was to cry Well, you couldn't be the man that I adored. You don't seem to know. Eh, Can we get Matt to investigate this? Okay, okay, okay. The band is best known. Okay, this is Edna Swap. The band is best known for the song Torn, which was written by band members Scott Cutler and Ann Previn, together with English musician Phil Thornally, and first recorded by Danish artist Liz Sorensen. So it sounds like there is another cover. So the Edna Swap version isn't even the original. No. Is that what you're telling That's me? That's what I'm reading right now. Maybe this song has just been passed on for generations and generations. Maybe this song has existed since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, a lot of people have covered this. I watched Tori Amos cover it. Maybe it's just a song that's just going to keep going. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Natalie Imbruglia was just a vessel for it. Yeah, it just, this Wikipedia is a rabbit hole of Torn. If you follow the artist that, the guy that originally came up with the song from Edna Swap, he was in that band, I think, or gave it to that band. And then you click on that guy and it just keeps you, keeps telling you more about that song, Torn. What if you keep just researching back and back and you find out that like, wow, Beethoven played (laughs) Torn. And then you just... Then you just keep going back and back, and it's like, whoa, they mentioned, to- they mentioned Torn in the Bible. <laughs> and then you go, <laughs> in Egypt, there's Torn is spelled out in hieroglyphics. Man, uh, uh, the whole story of Torn is told by hieroglyphics. Could you imagine that? This could be, this could be the fact. But as far as the 1998 version of Torn by Natalie Imbruglia, Surprisingly, the song peaked at number 42 on the Hot 100. How is that possible? Only 42? That's the American one? Because uh, I, yeah. re- I was reading something about that it came out as a single in America and somehow wasn't allowed to be a part of the actual Billboard. And then finally, wow. when they accepted the, the actual album, it was, yeah, let's put it at 42 or something like that. I mean, because... Two thing, these things don't match up if it was the biggest song of the 90s right. in, in one way. Or was that United States? 
We're all confused. Anyway, that 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 number 42 thing doesn't seem to match Agreed. up. The number one song at the time, this is so weird. The number one song when Torn was at number 42 was I'm Your Angel by R. Kelly and Celine Dion. I don't even know this song. R. Kelly and Celine Dion had a song together. Wow. I'm learning this for the first time right now. And it was a number one song? That that doesn't even make sense to me. I don't even believe that an R. Kelly Celine Dion song exists, let alone was it number one while Torn was number 42. That does not make sense to me. No. Also on the charts at the time were uh, Doo-Wop, That Thing by Lauryn Hill. Amazing yeah. song. From This Moment On by Shania Twain. Mm. I think maybe I know that song. Is that From This Moment? Sounds like maybe. it. I like Shania Twain. And Lullaby by Sean Mullins, which I cannot wait to do an episode oh. about that song. <laughs> That's a good other songs on the chart when this song was on the chart were Fly by Sugar Ray, mm. Been Around the World by Puff Daddy, I Want You by Savage Garden, Do Host by Romstein. Or is that how you say it? Romstein? Do. Do Host. <laughs> Do Hasmesh. Yes. You know that you know that song? Absolutely. Your Remstein impersonation is not too far off from your guy from the Sugar Cubes impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sick for toys. <laughs> like it's the same voice. Do. Do hast. We got to do an episode about that, Matt. Man, I'll be a good one. Anyway, I don't know what else to say about Natalie Ambrulia. I think she's great. I listened to some I mean some of the songs were kind of whatever when I dug in. Some of them were good enough that I added them to a playlist. She seems to have had a cool career. Uh, she seems like a nice person. You know, I feel like this is personal, but I also think that she's like open about it. Two years ago, I haven't seen anything about a relationship with her or anything, but two years ago, she just decided to have a kid. Yeah. She got, oh, yeah. She got a donor and just had a kid, you know? So good for her. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. I think Natalie Ambrulia is cool. She's thunder in my book. And I think that she's probably thunder in yours too. Am I correct? I look up to her. I think she's got a beautiful voice, a beautiful career. And yeah, I'll say thunder. <laughs> yeah, I, I look up to her too. Bobby, before we go, you got to tell us tell us about your album, man. All right, May 14th, it's the first time my uh, my debut EP under my own name, because I used to be in a band called The Promise Hero. So Bobby Vaughn hits Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon. May 14th, uh, I can look up my name and hear my new songs. Nice, man. It's cool. I mean, now you got something in common with Natalie Ambrulia, just going with your name. I don't know what that means. I don't know. No, <laughs> I, I meant that you're going by your name. Not that you, not that you have a, not that you have a single written by somebody else. I'm just saying that it's, it's you're going by your name now. I'm gonna check it out on May 14th. Great. It feels like things are always falling apart, like a sandcastle in water. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Vafalios of the bands Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Maybe I'm Just Crazy by this week's guest, Bobby Vaughn, off his self-titled EP out now on TDR Records. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit WeKnowPodcasting.com for how Chris and I can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at OneHitThunderPodcast at gmail.com. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Lately, lately
Geekscape Network. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.